Welcome to Leadership Requested. I'm your host, Jen Rebar. Thanks for listening. After the pandemic hit, the world was more disconnected than ever before. My daughter Juliana and I wanted to help, so we started this podcast to empower leaders with encouraging messages from around the world. We both love hearing people tell their heartfelt stories and have a passion for learning. Join us every Wednesday as a unique leader comes on our show to talk with us and share their story of how they use leadership to make their slice of the world a better place. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy listening to our show, subscribe to our channel, give us a review, and let us know what you think. Remember, your leadership has been requested. Are you ready? so much for coming on Leadership Requested. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Rosalind Kahn, and I'm so excited to be talking to you because I've heard so much from your your buddy and your networking group, and he just said wonderful things about you. And that's the story of life, friends connecting with friends. So um, my name is Rosalind Kahn. I'm a native of, of San Diego. And when I grew up, I was a campfire girl and did all sorts of things. And I learned some great skills from that. But you know, a really telling story about my part that I'd like people to know is when I was 13 years old, I was diagnosed with scoliosis. And for those of you who don't know it, it's curvature of the spine. And as a youngster, when I was told to do exercise, many 13-year-olds who are probably listening or parents who have children know that their kids don't listen to what they're told to do. <laughs> and so with that, I ignored it, didn't do as they said. And two years later, I was in high school and broke my growth plate. And with the extra emphasis on one leg, the curvature of the spine nearly doubled. And so I remember it was like May of that year, um, or they took me to the doctor in April or May, they had me in a, in, a, in a brace. And if you don't know what a body brace is, I'll give you a depiction. Sit up straight and tall. <laughs> and as you sit up straight and tall, I want you to put your hands around the smallest part of your waist. And I want you to squeeze as tight as physically possible. Now, does that feel warm and comfy? No, not even a little bit. Okay, so you can release and I'll let you know that when I began to adjust to it, this was after the only times I could take it off was swimming, taking a shower, and that was it. And you slept with it. Mm. They determined that it didn't work. And so it was May of that year and I was taking a walk in San Diego down this huge hill that's called Wandermere. And my dad says to me, Rosalind, I hate to say this to you, but um, you're going to need to have an operation. And they're going to need to operate on your back because that uh, brace that you got didn't work. And uh, many years ago, 20, 50 years ago, 750 was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Somehow that, that dollar stuck out in my head. And so there I was fast forward to the hospital bed and I'd watch the parade of people come in and I could see the cards as I was still sitting there and people wishing me well. And my great love of the time was swimming. And so I wasn't going to be able to swim for another six months. And I was the, um, I was the high school manager and I got to watch the people and I would do exercises on my chair, the, the chair step, the, the stair, chair, the, 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 um, you know, those, those, those things that they have in the gym where you climb up the steps. Oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah. The stair stepper kind of thing. 
Yeah. And I, I invented that in my house and I would step up and down the, the, the chair because I didn't want my leg exercises, legs to wither or whatever. And I would do the strokes in my arm and it was a great way to lose weight. Ha ha. Because with the body <laughs> cast, you can't eat too much because there's, there's only a limited space. And, you know, that's, that's the, the humorous part of me. But, um, you know, despite the challenges, I fast forward to adult life and, um, I later went on to give a TED talk about it and it was called coming around the curve on my, my battle with uh, scoliosis. And it was really a heartwarming story where young people came up to me and said, Oh my God, I relate to that story so much. It's absolutely beautiful. And, um, and in an adult life, it's led to um, arthritis and so I still suffer with, with pain from that. But, you know, on to other things, I'd given actually three TED Talks. One of them was called Language Comes to Life. And it's about students who learn the English language and how that changes the way that they speak. Um, I did another one that's called Breaking Cultural Barriers. And it's how everyone can make a difference in our world today. And then... Um, when I got involved in the TED world, there was the person whose name was Greg Akbudeka, and he worked with the, the fire department. He also organized these TED Talks, and he invited me to out to get involved in this group and planning and preparing, and I met a life mentor, John Bates, who's in the current book that's behind me called A Message for Tomorrow's Leaders, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Greg said at the end of the this the sprint with uh, organizing the TED Talk, to um, he'd give me six months of coaching, and I wrote down that I wanted to write a book, and so the first book I wrote was called Language. The first book I wrote was Random Acts of Kindness or Changing the World, mm -hmm. and it was just about people going out and doing nice things and how I can motivate and inspire my students to um, overcome their fear of public speaking. The second one was called, that came out of a depression, was called Dogs and Roses, How to Reduce Stress and Anxiety in Today's Troubled Times. And then the most recent one is called A Message for Tomorrow's Leaders. And it's really about encouraging our young students today about how they can overcome the problems they face of life in the computer and, and on the machine. And then in the pandemic, I took this time of gloom and doom and I produced about 188 videos that if anyone is feeling down, they can go to my Facebook and see copies of these videos and what they're all about. And then lastly, I started this um, series that's been picked up by Spectrum, which is under my name on Instagram. And it's called Community of Unity about bringing our world together. And I have amazing kids as a 12-year-old uh, humanitarian who's, who's in my book um, talking about his stories of three years um, raising money to, to help, help other kids who are homeless that he visits on a regular basis to several 88-year-old superstars. One, his name is Robbie Motter, who's in charge of an organization that are any women listening to this, this podcast. It's about women helping women. It's an international organization that helps women. And another lady in that group is called the pink lady. Who's, who's a riot. 
and <laughs> she's she's still doing shows um, on this world today. There's a lady named um, I think it's Lori Davis who was my first guest, and she was talking about the Native American Indian population, how it is that she teaches English to um, another person whose name is um, Chaplain Dove, who's helping feed the population in LA. And uh, they've just reached 85,000 people. And the people I interviewed yesterday is Robert and James Freeman, who was doing a tribute to their parents. And their history goes back to the early 1900s. And I titled this review that I wrote Rags to Riches because their paternal grandparents was a tavernist and he was also a musician. And when his native country had gone through the downturn, he could go to a debtor's prison or he can migrate to another country. And uh, I'll let your, your listeners tune in and, and listen to that show to, to find out the rest of that. But that's just a, a short, brief introduction. <laughs> Wow, you have done so much and you certainly turned something that could have been a negative, just life altering, ruining situation into something positive and inspirational for other people. That's very admirable. I have a lot of questions for you. Well, I figured you'd have lots of questions. So, so <laughs> fire away, fire away. Awesome. I'm ready. Well, I actually spent some time this week just listening to your TED Talks, some of your talks that you've done at school, and some of the things that I was really impressed with was the fact that I know I personally remember getting going to the nurse and getting the scoliosis exams at the nurse's office and having maybe one or two people who had to go get further testing, but it's not something that I feel like is talked about. So I really appreciated learning more about your story, learning more about the treatment options or the treatment things that happen for people. And then the effects that you're still, deal still dealing with, because I felt like it was something that we went through in school, but we didn't really know about. So I really appreciated that. But what I was really curious about was that leap that you took from just talking about health and education of that to multicultural education with children and talking about language and stuff like that. Where did that leap come in for you? Well, it's, it's kind of interesting because I was in a lot of professional development groups and things like that. And one of the things I was going to, I was going to write a book. And the first book was Random Acts of Kindness. And um, it's a beautiful story of just people going out and, and doing amazing things. And, you know, I, I like to say from the get-go, if there's anybody who wants a copy of that, that book, you know, just send me, send me a message and, you know, I'll take the top 10 who respond in and I'll send you a, a copy of a link to that book so you can see what it's about. It's heartwarming stories of, of just people doing nice things for one another. And when I saw that first TED thing, you know, in life, when you see things and you say, I want to do that, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure when you saw the first amazing podcast that, that changed your mind, you said, I'm going to be a podcast mm -hmm. host <laughs> and you took off 
And um, I knew when I saw that TED talk that I wanted to do that. And so, you know, through the experience, and I like to tell people this, that everybody wants to go make a million dollars when they start out, Mm -hmm. but life doesn't work that way. You got to pay your dues. And so I was a volunteer and anybody who's going through any career changes needs to know that you need to give yourself patience. There's not a race to get there as fast as possible, but just take from life. And if we learn from every experience, it's the greatest secret that I can convey to people. And so when I was in the TED world, the guy said, um, go meet the TED organizers. And I met the TED organizers. And there's going to be a meeting where the people go and pick the speakers for the TED stage. And I went and I appeared with a nonchalant attitude as everybody went around and said their stories. I said, hi. My name is Rosalind, and I've been teaching in the college for about 13 years, and I'm just really here to learn. I just want to learn. And as I walk down the hall and in the line to the restroom, this lady comes up to me, who's a major TED organizer, and says, we need to talk. I think you could be really helpful in in helping a number of people that I'm working with, and um, you would be the perfect person with with all your experience and skill. And um, okay, that's that's tick one off the list. And later on, there was an opportunity to give a speech to this guy by the name of John Bates. And I had prepared a speech and you, you hinted at it a little bit. And you said, but you're also a college professor. And my TED talk that I gave was the lives I had touched in my college classroom and the people I inspired and a little bit about that talk were three students, one of which was a student who came to class one day and he was in an ESL class and his hands in Kleenex and he's holding his nose and he says, teacher, I've, I've got a bloody nose, but I, I didn't want to miss your class. Is, is it okay if I, if I go? And I'm like, please, 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 please. Just, it's okay. Just, just go to the hospital. And I tell the students in my class, that class is so valuable. You don't want to miss a day. Mm-hmm. I was in another class teaching public speaking at Santa Monica College and there was a student who came in one day and he comes up before class and he's, um, teacher, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do in class today because um, yesterday my sister was shot and killed outside of Target. Mm. But I didn't want to miss your class. And I said, you know, I know and I understand your sorrow because I remember when my father had a major heart attack and I went to school and I I took a tape recorder because I didn't want to miss the value of of education. And um, then there was the story of the student in my class who was another ESL learner who we'd shown the video of uh, 12 Angry Men and in the video of 12 Angry Men, it's the story of this guy who goes to trial and they have to bring all these people to, to agree 
Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't have time to finish the video, but we were going to go see a play. Mm-hmm. And all my students went to the library and they checked out the video because they wanted to know the end of the story. And with that end of the story, um, this same student had later gone on to, um, I had my students do a thing called service learning. And in the service learning, they spent part of their their time in the classroom. And I asked if they wouldn't mind volunteering to improve your English language skills. If you could have a fast track to learning English faster, would you do it going to a language school twice a class, twice a week, or see if there was a way that you could increase that by increased practice? What would you do? Mm -hmm. Go faster. I mean, and, and so go faster. And so this, this young lady came into school one day and said, oh my God, teacher, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. You know, the other day I was handing out Bibles and, and lunch sacks and I met more people than I've ever known in my whole entire life. And it was so inspiring. And that opportunity didn't work out. And so she ended up with a program that was teaching kids through videos of inner city schools of how they could turn their stories into movies. And she invited us, the, the, the classmates out to the library one day and said, oh my God, guys, you got to come to the library. There's going to be these amazing speakers and it's, it's an incredible opportunity. And I want you to learn from the, the filmmakers and so on and so forth. And the stories that they came back with from this experience. And so the story goes on that I, I write a letter of recommendation for the student to give a um, to earn a scholarship. And so she mm-hmm. earns a scholarship to be a, a like labor organizer. And later she turns her, her life into um, getting another scholarship to become an artist. And she's now going back to real estate and um you know, her life has just really opened up in that opportunity of, of what it's all about. And it's, it's just amazing of, of the things that she went ahead and shared. Um, and so it was kind of from that experience, my dog is just excited about what I'm saying. There's somebody at the door, and, you know, whatever <laughs> it's, it's like, they, they like the story. Um, <laughs> And, and so I was talking about her and how she'd gotten a scholarship from my class. And we fast forward to today where I was under faculty orientation and they were asking in this pandemic age of what is our why? Why do we still teach in the classroom and how can we inspire our students? And I said, well, I want you to know my name is Rosalind Kahn and I'm a TEDx speaker and I continue to teach in the class and because I want my students to know that if you're in my class, that opportunity could be yours. And I've actually had speakers from my class who've, who've gone on to deliver TED Talks. And so it's, it's taking each opportunity and you know, I was just doing my life and going as, as life goes. And one day, this friend of mine, whose name is James Bobick, and he's the, the director, came to me and he said, 
you know, I've been following you for a while (laughs) and I just love your message of who you are and what you're about. And I think there's bigger things that you could be doing. And so he started me on this 188 days of doing video podcasts where I was able to get over 300 people who turn into one of my podcasts. And as, as it hit its high and, you know, life in the pod world, you, you've got to be doing something different. He said, I think you could have a show. And I could see you on a series on Spectrum. And so I then proceeded to go from the 188 podcasts to interviewing over 35 people who I've recorded um, to be on this, this series. And I'm still a college professor in the classroom. And I still interview amazing people. And I, I like to shower the people who've influenced me to, you know, I have a manager named Dr. Marielle McKinley, and she helps book these amazing people like the Freeman brothers who have this amazing video out that's a tribute to their, their parents. It's three tributes um, by these phenomenal artists um, to get the, the word out to the world. And I just want to help make the world a, a better place. And I think if all of us do our part of, of who we can be, we can really help one another out. And that is, that is hopefully the answer to the question. And I'm sure there's more than you want to know. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's awesome. And so often kids and teenagers, youth get such a bad rap. Um, they're all just on technology. They are lazy. They get a lot of stereotypes from um, older generations, but I've found that there's a lot of kids out there that are amazing. They've got amazing potential. They're working really hard. And a lot of them are working against a lot of issues, whether it be at home, whether it be their health, whether it just be this uphill battle for themselves and having teachers or people around them that believe in them and provide inspiration, even if it's just telling them that they can do it is really something that's needed. And you've provided that for a lot of people. And thank you on as a parent, thank you for being that voice for kids because they don't hear it enough. They don't hear it enough at home. They don't hear it enough in schools and they don't hear it enough in the communities. So I appreciate what you do very much. Oh, thank you. You know, it it just reminds me of a class I taught at Larchmont high school and of these brilliant, brilliant kids and the speeches they came up with and the questions they asked. Um, I'm not the A1 in technology and I admit to my students on day number one, there might be times where my technology doesn't work. And if you can help me out, I'd really appreciate it. So, you know, in Zoom, we, we lose people and you can't find where the screen is and you get back to it or you're trying to play the video that you can hear, but they can't hear. And it's, it's as, as they said, we're all in this together and to show students in today's world that I'm here, I've got your back and I want to help each of you to succeed. There was, 
you know, students who needed to take off because they were poll workers. There were students who had to go and, and help the, the leadership team at their school or, or, you know, the number of people who lost members of their family who couldn't continue the class. I, I recall one student who um, I loved and adored, appreciate. She and I spoke Spanish and she was from Spain, one of my favorite countries. And I remember a very long conversation we had on the phone and it was like, I haven't seen you in the class. Um, I don't know what's going on. And she's like, but I want to stay. I want to do the work. And I'm like, I understand. It's really hard when you lose someone in your life and they're no longer there. And you're in another country and you're, you're trying to find value and you're trying to find validation and so on and so forth. And in, and learning speaking, it's, it's a process. It's a building block. It's a series of skills that one is built on the other. And, you know, I, I took her through, I looked at her outlines and we went one by one. And when you don't know, you just tell the story without the introduction, without the connections, without the connectors. And I finally ended with these words. I feel your heart. I feel your sorrow. I'm, I'm really 100% with you. She wanted to give a talk about why we need to donate money to third world countries to help these kids succeed. And I said, my heart is in the same place you are. The best thing that you can do is spend the time where you're in this country and volunteer mm-hmm. and, and give of yourself. And, and this experience will, will take you years beyond where you're at today. And I remember getting off the phone and tears coming down my face of remembering that idealism of that kid or the professional who'd returned to school last semester and had missed a number of things and wanted to do it. And I dropped him and he said, but you know, I've got all these different assignments I've got to go ahead and do. And public speaking is a process. I've been doing it for most of my life. I can get up and give a speech and have no idea. And it all makes sense because I've done it so many times. Mm-hmm. But we've got to, we've got to learn from the tools. We've got to learn from the building blocks. And, you know, those are the, the memories that, that, that come forth as, as, as we say those things. You mentioned storytelling and something that was a big takeaway for me from seeing some of your talks and presentations is you're an incredible storyteller. It's not just normal public speaking, which you're right, is learned. Um, you public speak with inflection and soul and your heart. Is that something that you have naturally done or is it something that you really have worked to craft? Well, the key to life is, is being the authentic person that you're in your heart and your soul. And I'm going to ask you a question. I want you right now to go back in your mind the saddest, most horrible thing that ever happened to you. 
Do you have that picture? Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. It would probably be being in the hospital with my grandfather dying. And he went in for a heart attack. I got the call at work. I was there. I was going to try and stay at work, but I could not focus. My grandfather raised me. He was my dad. So I drove the 45 minutes to the hospital, thankfully. And I got to the emergency room and he was jovial and happy in his normal self. And within a few hours, he had a procedure and we found out he needed a quadruple bypass and he never woke up. And my family is not known for being terribly functional. So I went with him um, with a family member I wasn't close to, to another hospital he was transferred to, but he never woke up. And I spent two days singing to him and talking to him by myself. And when I went home, he passed away. Not a great time. It's not a great time, but I want to hear, I want you to listen to passion you had in your voice. As you told that story, I could see you in the hospital. I could feel the anguish of what it was like to be raised by a person and have nobody by your side. You see, we all have talents that we don't recognize in ourselves. We all look at someone else and say, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And, and I'll give you another, another story. I was on a podcast with a guy in India that I, that I, that I met on a strategic alliance program. And, you know, he was quite a, a dream maker and he invited me to this call. So he had these people that he was coaching that were paying him. And this lady is trying her best to, tell the story and practice the English language, but the words aren't coming out of her mouth. I can't do it. I can't say it. I can't, I can't, I can't. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, you told me a story I heard a few minutes ago about what your experience was like about being in Canada and how that experience shaped you. Tell me about that story and when she told us about that story the words flowed the inflection was there the variety was there and so on and so forth and it's it's like we all we all have these abilities but what do we choose to spend the time on what do we choose to spend the time on and and most people don't want to go to those deep dark moments mm -hmm. they they They'd rather not share them with people, but they're, they're absolutely what makes us real and allows us to connect with other people. It's being just that authentic self. I mean, I can go back to being on that operating table 
and they just put me in the body cast and, and I'm like a highly active physically all over the place kid and I can't move. And the vocational nurse is coming in and I'm like, but I can't swim. I can't swim. My life is swimming. I want to go in the pool. I, you know, I'm not going to take a basket weaving. I'm not going to take up, I'm, I'm not going to take up knitting. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I, I love to write. I love to write. And on, on sad days, and I just pick up the piece of paper and I put the pen to it, you know? Many people who are writers don't make millions selling their books, but there's a message that we want to share with the world. Mm-hmm. If someone picks it up and it changes their life, we may never know about it, but that's, that's the beauty. And I always say, you never know whose life you can change with the words that you say. And, and, and so, you know, I give my students an opportunity to, to pick all their speeches. I say, pick something that you care about. When you talk about what you care about, you don't worry about memorizing it. You don't worry about getting the wrong, the wrong words, the wrong this, the wrong that. Mm-hmm. They, just, they just flow. They just, they just come out. They're just there. They're just completely real. And, you know, it's a lot easier when you're being authentic and you're not trying to remember someone else's script. Right. And, and how many, how many people are willing to let their real side show? I mean, mm-hmm. I remember being a teacher in the pandemic in the classroom and saying to my students, every day is not a perfect day. <laughs> Wasn't a good one today but I see all your smiling faces. And when I see and hear your voices, it just brings me to life. Mm. And students need to hear that you're in your home. I'm in my home. We're both dealing with the pandemic and yet we're, we're drawn to this, this common space, but at the same point we're, we're isolated. And, and how, how troubling and, and trying that is, you know, you call it, how do I know you? What are you talking to me for? What, 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 do, you, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And it's like, can't we just have a conversation? <laughs> yeah. That art does get lost these days sometimes. Yeah, it, it, it really does. And, you know, if you just want to reach out and, and connect and touch with people, I mean, that's the biggest thing they said on taking care of yourself on, on mindfulness is, Keep up those connections, you know, don't let this be the last time we talk. I want to hear from you, Jen. I want to hear about those those kids. I want to hear about the family. (laughs) I want to hear about the next stars as it's coming on your show so I can share the knowledge. And the puppies. We have to keep up with the puppies. Oh my God. You know, you got to get me talking about my dog. I love my dog. My dog is, you know, he's wakes up with me in the morning. I don't know where he is now. I don't know if my husband took him off, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I wrote a book on the dogs and the roses and you have some dogs too. I do. I have many schnauzers. We have Mr. Hobbs and we just added Calvin to the mix. So oh, Calvin and Mr. Hobbs. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yep. We have a very full household and they are definitely stars of, of the show here. 
<laughs> wow. Well, they say in this in this pandemic here that more people are turning to their pets than absolutely ever before, and there's a shortage of pets in the in the um, adoption centers and the kennels because people want to have that thing that they can bond to. And it's a great time. You're at home. I mean, when I potty trained Hobbs, I was working and I was out of the house 13 hours a day and had to have all these arrangements for him. And Calvin's spoiled. He has, you know, people with him all day long. So it's a good time to do it. And it, you're absolutely right. It's a stress reliever. It's, you know, that physical activity to take him on a walk a couple times a day. And it's, it's a little bit of happy. It's something to laugh at when they're being silly and it's, it's good for your soul in my opinion, but I have hypoallergenic dogs and I'm not allergic to anything. So they work for my little world. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I have allergies to, to animals as well, but, uh, you know, it's amazing, you know, through life, some of those allergies go away. So true. And you find workout, you know, you find a way around it to work it out when it's something that you really enjoy. I know people who are allergic to cats who now have those little hairless critters and they yep. love them to death. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. That is so absolutely true. So absolutely true. So I have one more question for you. We ask a final question on the show this season. I am asking a question that I think you're perfect for, and that's what piece of advice would you give the next generation? Well, you know, I was asked this question recently and I love it. And that is if we could grow up in life and realize that it's not perfect and things don't go well, it's not the end of the world. It's just part of the process. Life has good days. Life has bad days. And if we had all of one or all of the other, we'd never be able to appreciate it. So if we can look at those experiences that we have in our life where things don't go the way that we want them to go and ask ourselves, what is it that we can learn from here? And take every day as a lesson, good experiences and, and bad experiences, um, not expecting perfection. And more than anything else is do not in any way, shape, or form compare yourself to anyone else. Because mm -hmm. we are all gifts in ourselves of who we are and what our talents are. And there's no one in the world like us. So celebrate each day. Take a list of gratitude. Write down what you're grateful for. Spend some time meditating. Take out some time to quiet your mind and think about each and every day when you wake up, what are you grateful for? What have you accomplished? What are your hopes and dreams for tomorrow? And if you put them down on paper and you share them with a friend, you've got a buy-in of how you can make them into a reality. That's so good. That's something I did not learn until recently. And I spent a lot of years trying to fit myself into other people's mold and then feeling really yucky when I didn't and trying to make myself different and just not knowing why I didn't feel right. And it's because that's not who I was. And I always knew it. I always knew it wasn't the right fit to try and be something else, but 
I didn't think it was okay to not be what I thought I should be because of what was around me or what society or my family or whatever was telling me to be. And it's such an important thing to know, like, be you. And, and also the gratitude, be thankful. And even if it's little things, like when you deal, you mentioned like the arthritis and everything else. Some days it's really hard when you're dealing with pain or other things. I deal with a lot of chronic illness and chronic pain. And some days it's harder to be grateful than others. But there's days that I just have to be thankful that I woke up today. I have warm, fuzzy socks and my heating pad works great. And I have a doctor who understands me. I have a cuddly dog. Maybe those aren't the biggest wins for somebody else, but those are my wins today. And I'm going to take those for a win. And over time, I think it changed my perspective from, I can't be a part of what everyone else is doing, or I can't do what I wanted to do. And it turned it to an attitude of, you know what? I'm grateful that I'm where I'm at. And it gave me a peace that I didn't have for a really long time. And the younger you can get that, the better. No, it is, it is, it is so true because not everybody's going to love you. <laughs> you don't love everybody in the world either. So it's kind of like we, we take the goods and the bads and, and, don't take those snap judgments because often we're wrong. We're mistaken. Yeah. And loving yourself is really the most important. Um, I can take someone else not liking me, but I really need to like myself. That's that's the key to finding someone to love you is to be able to love yourself first is, you know, loving the person that you are because you're never going to get what you lack in yourself and trying to find it in someone else. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. How can people get in touch with you um, and and find you? I know I'm going to put all your information in the show notes, but what's the quickest and easiest way for someone to reach out? Well, the quickest and easiest way is I have a, a web page and it's simply everything is based on my name. It's rosalindcon.com. And you'll, you'll, you'll see my name in the corner on here. R-O-S-A-L-Y-N. Last name is K-A-H-N. Great. And that is that is the, the key. You go to the web page, you go to LinkedIn, you go to Facebook, you go to Instagram. It's just Roslyn Khan. And I love it. um, you know, like I said, I, I want to help the people out who are listening to the show. So if if they reach out to me on my my page or something like that and, and send me a note and you know, check out my Instagram and start following me and send me a message. I will go ahead and uh, for the first 10 people who, who do that, um, send them a copy of that first book. And there's also a link I'd like to provide. And it's a thousand things that you can do during the pandemic. So anybody who's listening to the show who wants a copy of that, reach out to me and I will give anybody who wants that 1000 things that you can do during the pandemic. And uh that awesome. is my gift to the world. So just tell them that they heard me on, on, on pronounce your last name for me, Jen. Rebar. Rebar on Jen Rebar's show. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll have that in your inbox. Fantastic. Well, we'll make sure all that's provided. And thank you again. <laughs>